Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Tracy Rubin, your host. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do to make sure that you are getting all of these episodes downloaded to your phone every single Tuesday. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And again, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You guys know this week's episode is all about love and relationships, so I'm really excited to share that this episode is sponsored by WYLD Gallery. Whether you need some unique gifting ideas for your partner or just to treat yourself, consider art. This Valentine's Day we know is different than all others because we just can't as easily go out to a restaurant or go to a live event like in past years, so instead, consider giving art as a gift. WYLD Gallery is an online art gallery featuring Native American art and artists. So choosing art this year means that your gift is actually going to be timeless. With artists like Joyce Nevaquia Harris, who captures the spirit and soul of the Comanche women and the earth with the use of acrylic and oil paints, and Bobby Martin, who depicts the essence of knowledge in his piece titled Aunt Kate, giving the gift of art is more than just a thoughtful gift. It's a timeless and creative approach to Valentine's Day. My favorite piece personally in the gallery is Joyce Nevaquia Harris's piece titled Sunrise. It's a painting that makes me think of hope and serenity with her depiction of a woman in prayer at sunrise. Head to wyld.gallery to see the available art and to learn more about the artists featured. There's something for everyone with prices and pieces in everyone's budget. Again, go to wyld.gallery to give your partner, your loved ones, or just yourself the gift of art. The topic of love, intimacy, and relationships at work is an age-old topic. It's always been a topic and it will always and continue to be a topic that's important to people and always kind of has like a, a lot of gray area. We know in HR, it's all about navigating through the gray, including in this type of moment. So I've gotten a few questions actually about what is appropriate or not appropriate in the workplace and what can we do about it if we start to catch feelings for someone at work. We know we are spending all of our time or the majority of time at work and even while we're virtual or working from home, we're still spending just as much time in a working capacity. So more often than not, I would think that people start to develop feelings while in a physical workplace, but I know people who are falling in love virtually, and that is totally okay. Finding love in the workplace, whether it's finding love in what you do, finding love in friendships, or finding love a more intimate love at work is all okay, but there are things and policies that need to be considered when it comes to actually finding that love or managing and navigating that love in the workplace. So for example, when you find someone who you start to develop intimate feelings for, 
not a friendship. This is another person that you are interested in dating, let's say. We won't even call it love yet. We will just call it like. And you start to develop feelings, a crush, whatever it is. I'm not a relationship expert, but what I can tell you is that there are certain policies on dating in the workplace. So the first thing that you'll want to do is if, and this is assuming that you and the other person are on the same page, that you want to date, you are, you know, really interested in each other, and it's not a friendship anymore. You want to make sure that you understand the policies of the workplace. Some organizations don't allow dating in the workplace. Other organizations say, hey, you can date, but you need to inform HR or your supervisor or whatever. So, know the policy and make sure you follow the policy. If it says, oops, no dating is allowed, actually what I would say is you should talk to HR and you should say, hey, I'm really interested in you know maintaining my, my relationship and my job. What are my options? And I say this because those uh, organizations with policies around, you know, hey, you need to notify us if you're in a relationship, actually then kind of accommodate or move around teams where necessary. So if there are two peers who are dating, there's actually no conflict of interest there because there are two people who have no reporting party or reporting relationship, I should say, with each other. If it's a supervisor and a subordinate who pursue a relationship, this can be really dicey. So it's important for the supervisor in this case, I think, to really make sure that they are following the policies and protocols because technically they're the person in charge. They're the one in the position of power. So partnering with HR, partnering with their supervisor and making sure that they are compliant with the policies. And actually, on this note, I I do want to add that there can be some risks involved when it comes to dating in the workplace. One of those risks, especially, and most of the time it's this way, but especially when it's a reporting party relationship, meaning a supervisor and a subordinate, if that relationship is not reported or made known to HR, and then there's a I don't know, some sort of physical encounter at work or they, the two in, individuals get into an argument and then there's a, a harassment a claim made against the supervisor, for example. That happens. Relationships are not all good all the time. We, You guys probably know this. You're probably thinking about your own relationship or past relationships where they haven't always been good. Imagine being at work. There's no separation. And something goes wrong, whether it's a breakup or there's a fight, I have seen where two employees who are in a relationship end up getting into some sort of disagreement or whatever, and one of them doesn't have such great intentions, and then they they open a harassment claim, a sexual harassment claim. And when the relationship isn't reported, how do you how do you go about that, right? As an HR person, you have to investigate the claim. But if you aren't aware of the relationship, then it actually is a bit more serious that someone is saying, hey, you know, I've been sexually harassed. Like these are all extremes, obviously, but it does happen. And so it's important that you do a risk assessment if you are going to pursue a relationship at work. The very bottom line is that you have to report it 
I don't know many organizations that don't allow for relationships in the workplace. I think most um, organizations say that you need to, you know, make us known and really where it's the no relationships allowed is when it's a reporting party. And that is similarly for the same reasons, because there's preferential treatment or there's concern about retaliation. Like all of those things are things that businesses want to prevent. So knowing that, knowing that there is an opportunity to report your relationship that is supposed to encourage people who are looking to pursue a relationship with someone at work to actually do that so then they can either be put on separate teams or moved around or there is an opportunity for HR and the manager to really level set the expectations around professional behavior. I always say that it's great for people to find love at work. I I think it's a wonderful thing. Maybe it's the best matchmaker in town. Who knows? But it is important for both parties to remain compliant with policies and to make sure that they're being professional. No one wants to see two people making out by the water cooler and no one wants to see like, you know, flirting on Teams either or Zoom. Just keep it professional and, you know, keep it moving. And actually most of the time, um, it'll set a standard and an example for others who potentially want to be in a relationship with someone else as well. I know I'm generalizing here, but I think it's a very general point, general question. So if you have specific questions related to your own relationship or something you've seen in your workplace between two consenting people, then please feel free to DM me or email me. When it comes to friendships, I think that this probably is something that most people don't think is even a topic or consideration, but actually some company cultures really are not into the idea of friendships outside of work. So a lot of that depends on where you work, who you work for, and what your team environment is like. Where I work, we're, it's encouraged to be friendly. It's encouraged to be um, more deeply connected than just you know at work. And I think that's maybe it's not even encouraged. It's just kind of the way of the world for us and it's the culture and I think that's a wonderful thing. In my past life, friendships were limited to the people who were on your same level and it really wasn't appropriate to be friendly or have friendships outside of work with anyone in a uh, reporting structure. So either reporting into you through another manager or reporting into you as a manager. So even if I was a salaried manager and I had hourly department managers reporting into me, it was inappropriate for me to have a friendship with those hourly department managers because they are reporting into me. Even though in some cultures, some people have the best friendships with their supervisors. So again, it is very much driven by the culture of the company and organization. So I bring this up related to friendships because I think that depending on the company culture that you're interested in, it is important to kind of kind of sift that out and feel it out and see what is tolerated in this workplace and every team is different even within the companies that you might work for but I think that friendships are always going to be established especially on your team but understanding what is appropriate and what's inappropriate based on your company culture is an important thing to figure out and if you're the kind of person that 
does not want to open up personally or have a friendship with individuals outside of work, that's also okay. Even if the company is an open culture, that's totally fine. You have to remain true to yourself. And I've worked with many, many people over the years who are very distant about their personal lives. They don't want to talk about their personal lives. They don't want to mix business with pleasure. And that is okay. Okay, so let's recap on what we've already discussed. The first is that love and intimate relationships are okay in the workplace so long as they are compliant with the company's policies. So if you're doing that, if you're following the policies, you're announcing it, you're making sure that you're not in a situation where there's a conflict of interest in a reporting party, then you're you're on the right track. I I'm a hopeless romantic. I would never want someone to throw away love just because of work. There is a way around it. And sometimes what I've seen too is that people choose to go to another job just to keep it really simple and also prioritize their relationships. And then the second part of this recap is that friendships are okay too, but it depends on the culture of the company that you work for and where you are in your career. Some people are not interested in developing friendships at work and that's okay. Others of us are going to go to happy hour with our coworkers every week, and that's also okay. Okay, so while I am a hopeless romantic, and I stand by that, I want people to find love wherever love is to be found, and love sees absolutely no boundaries, work is no boundary to love, we know this. I do encourage you, if you are falling fast for the cutie, you know, across the hall, just keep in mind that there is the difference between something being worth it and something not being worth it. So really evaluate what it is that is worth it to you. Is it worth it to you to potentially add a little bit of complexity to your day-to-day in the sense that you could have a flourishing relationship, but you could get into a fight and now you don't have your own personal space? If that's okay for you, and this is of course assuming that you've already gone through the appropriate process to alert HR and your manager of the relationship, fine. But I always say do a risk assessment, and that's with anything. Do a risk assessment when you decide to leave your current employer. Do a risk assessment when you decide to make a decision on an investigation if you're an HR person. Do a risk assessment if you decide that you want to pursue a relationship with the cutie across the hall. But I do want to shift the dynamic. So now let's imagine you are the manager of a person who you potentially are starting to find feelings for and you're considering having a relationship with them. So let's say that you and your employee, so again, you are the manager in this situation, you and your employee have had discussions about this and you're considering pursuing a relationship. You are the manager. You must pause. You should not. Continue this relationship until you have alerted your HR partner, your manager. You have to take the right steps here because, again, this could turn into a harassment claim before your eyes and you're not even expecting it. And that's not to say that the person who is reporting to you would file a harassment claim against you, not at all. But if they're is an argument at work and there's a report of it or you know you and your employee are then seen as having a 
um, a conflict of interest and that you are preferential to your employee, it's going to create a huge, huge issue for no reason. When in reality, if you actually report it and you decide to pursue it in a mature and professional way, meaning pursue the relationship, then you can get ahead of the narrative and make sure that you're doing the right thing. And in most cases, your employee would then begin reporting into someone else and it will avoid that odd, weird dynamic and culture that will be created thanks to a lack of professionalism. So if you as the manager are in this situation, please make sure that you are pausing and really thinking through the policy and what standard you're setting because your employees, your other employees, if it's not handled correctly, they are going to be ostracized and it creates a very, very weird dynamic. I've seen it happen a lot where I've had to go to the manager and say, hey, are you having a relationship with X person because we need to talk about this? Who did you report it to? If you didn't, why not? This is our policy and this is the expectation. Here are all of the things, all of the risks that you've burdened yourself with when you could have just reported it and we wouldn't be having this conversation. So again, if you're the manager in this situation, please make sure that you pause and you really take the the right approach with this. There's a saying that I'm not going to use fully because it is explicit and my podcast is family friendly, but there's a saying where you shouldn't go to the bathroom where you eat, let's say. You can Google it, And you can find the explicit version if you'd like. It's much more concise. But that is a phrase meaning if you start to date and, you know, become more intimate with someone at work, there's no separation. Now you are not only in a relationship outside of work, but you're also in a relationship inside of work and it just can make things complicated. Honestly, I could not imagine if in my relationship I didn't have that separation with work. I mean, right now I'm working remotely, so there isn't so much a separation, but it's tough working remotely and being in the same space for hours upon hours a day. I mean, it's tough. I could not imagine being at work with my significant other. That kind of sounds like one of my worst nightmares because I like my space. Not everyone is like that. And again, it doesn't mean that you're not going to find love at work, but it's something to think about. So really my last thought for this topic and this episode is that everything in HR kind of comes down to an evaluation or an assessment of right versus wrong. It's all about navigating the gray and being comfortable in making decisions within that gray area. So my message to my managers is always that they need to be comfortable navigating and managing through that gray area. It's in that gray area where you find the most complicated and confusing and nuanced situations, but it's where you can make decisions and deductions based on your experience, based on consistency, policies, etc. And so being a really good HR professional is being able to take a look at that gray area and to sift through it and decide, okay, is this precedent already set? Do I need to set a new precedent? Am I going to set a precedent with this? Probably. So all of those things are questions that you should ask yourself if you are an HR professional dealing with something like this. Really, you know, 
Take a step back. Think about how you would approach it if it were you. Think about the policy, what's already been set, and if this has happened before. So I recently got a DM from someone after they listened to my episode from last week, which was about mentors and public advice. And this person asked me um, pretty much like what happened with that mentor who is bad. Um, And this is what the person wrote. I used to always think my mentors knew more than me, especially if they were older than me. I would take their advice without questioning it, which I've only recently realized wasn't useful. I'm curious to hear how your relationship worked out with your mentor at Target. When I've questioned or spoken directly with more senior members, it's often led to them becoming less supportive of me. I think it's so important, though, to have diversity of thought and share your opinion respectfully. It's just a shame when others can't see the value in that. And I really appreciated her message. And, and you know, I think one of the things that I really tried to draw out in my response is that not only is that 100% true that it is a shame that others don't value that, but it's those people who we shouldn't listen to. It's those people who are not leaders. And I, I'm saying this pretty definitively that people who do not value diversity and thought are not leaders or at least are not leaders that you should prioritize receiving advice from. And I loved that she reflected on, you know, having mentors in the past and thinking that because they were older or more experienced that they were, you know, much more knowledgeable. And actually that's, again, that's also not always true. And I, I appreciated that she really reflected on that and, 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 identified that. The other thing is that when someone meets you as an adversary, when you push back or you give feedback or you question something, question them. Why are they pushing back? So if I say to my bad mentor, why are you doing something this way versus doing it that way? And they push back on me or they catch an attitude or whatever, right? If they get defensive, whatever that looks like. In that moment, your first thought should be, hmm, why are they getting defensive? And actually, I would go so far as to say that they are getting defensive because you are intimidating them in some way. You have some answers that they have not considered, and they don't want you challenging their leadership. And it's not always going to be that way. Sometimes people just find their processes sacred and they don't want anyone questioning it and that is okay. But again, in that moment, you can say, why are they getting defensive? And either you can respond by saying, hey, so sorry, not trying to question you. I'm really just trying to understand your process and way of thinking. Or if it's someone who maybe is defensive because they just don't want to do things differently, then you can kind of take their advice again with a grain of salt and put it into those buckets of feedback that I've talked about before. There are are two buckets of feedback. Actually, there are three buckets of feedback. One, the keep bucket. Two, the trash bucket. And three, the bucket that you'll consider, but you're not really sure where it fits in. And so when someone gives bad advice or when someone is not doesn't have your best interest in mind like my bad mentor it's in those moments where you push their advice aside maybe you're appeasing them maybe you're just going through the motions but let that motivate you let that motivate you to be different from them and let that motivate you to be to show them actually what it is to be a stronger better leader it doesn't matter if you're in HR doesn't matter if you're in a different role 
The key is that no one should stop you from achieving the goals that you want to achieve, and no one should feel so powerful that their advice can hold you back or should be done the way that they're saying it should be done. I feel like I'm going a little bit on a tangent here, but I feel very passionately about people challenging the status quo. Again, just because I am saying all of these things doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean that this is the best advice for you. And so if you're like, "Eh, Tracy's not really, you know, she's not really making sense with this. I don't know that I totally agree. I want you to challenge me. It's not only going to make you stronger, but it's going to make me stronger. And so that is why those individuals who don't value diversity of thought, who are only giving you one side of the story or aren't telling you to go and seek a second opinion, they don't actually care about you that much. They care more about themselves and just hearing themselves speak. I I really believe this. But again, I'm very very passionate about making sure that people are educated and making sure that that people are given the resources and the opportunities to seek advice from anyone and everyone possible and to know that it's not just one person who holds the answer and the key. It's all of us collectively. It's all of us coming together as a community as a network of individuals and sharing thoughts. And if there's anything that I've noticed, it's that Clubhouse actually right now is doing a really good job of that. Clubhouse is one of those apps that I'm starting to really love. I mean, if you guys are not on it, find a way to get an invite into it. I don't have any invites left, but it's an amazing app. One of the best things about it is that it, there is no written communication. It's all audio. So people are forced not only to listen, but they are forced to speak when they have an opinion or when they have a thought or something to share or a question. And I love that. I think it's the one thing from our society right now that we are really deprived of. So I'm so, so glad to be on the network. And actually, I'm going to segue us out of this and into um, some information for you guys to keep in mind for the days and weeks to come. Every week, I have decided I'm going to host office hours on my Instagram. I'm going to go live every Tuesday at 9 p.m. to talk about whatever it is that you guys want to ask me. So I figured, wow, we don't necessarily all have our own HR partners. You guys reach out to me all the time and I love it. How can I just have office hours? So I've decided to make it a little spicy. So they're going to be office happy hours. So you can bring your cocktails or your mocktails and meet me Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Instagram Live. You can submit your questions. You can interact on the live feed. And I think it's going to be a really nice way for us to all gather some information for me to share some advice with you, some little nuggets, and for us to just kind of relax together. I mean, it doesn't always have to be a glass of wine or a beer. It could be a little seltzer with a lemon wedge, like I said on my Instagram stories, as I was having a a stream of consciousness when I came up with this idea. So I would love for you to join me there Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern on Instagram Live. In addition, every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Clubhouse, Every single week, I'm going to be joining three other women to talk about navigating the new 
normal and how we prioritize ourselves in the new normal. So we hosted this event this past week, and it was a huge success. We had a great turnout, considering it's our first event, and we're going to do it every week. There were some really amazing questions, and it was such a safe space. People shared incredible stories that just uplifted me truly, and I felt so whole from it after after that event. So please make sure you join us on Clubhouse 7 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. I hope to see you guys at those events each week. So again, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Find me on Instagram Live for office happy hours. And Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Find me talking through navigating change in the new normal with three other incredible professionals. Thank you so, so much for, again, joining me this week on my podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And also share this podcast if you think that someone will enjoy it, whether they're in HR, they want to be in HR, or they're just an employee kind of trying to get through the day. I think that there's something for everyone in all of these episodes, and I can't tell you how much I am just so grateful and humbled by all of your support. So have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you next Tuesday.